Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Ryan Tannehill, quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, and I represent the Fence Sider with the PH. Man, has that guy taken a beating this week? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio. My name is Keith. I'll be your host for the next hour and 15 minutes or so. Um, a lot to get to tonight. Uh, most of it unpleasant, as we've grown accustomed to here on the show. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, dive right into it by bringing on uh, my uh, usual co-host, Lewis, who has turned into apathetic Lewis the past couple of weeks, as opposed to his usual uh, angry form. And I can hardly blame him, uh, given what's transpired with the team as of late. Uh, well, really, this, this season, when you, when you think about it. What's going on, Lewis? Not much, man. Just uh, got finished uh, work playing some guitar at the at my church, so I'm ready to talk some Dolphins football. However, I wish I would like to make this, this statement in advance. If you ask me anything about Tannehill or quarterbacks, I will promptly ignore you. So don't even bother. Okay. <laughs> for all for all of you listening at home, that means if you want to talk about quarterbacks or Tannehill, expect Lewis's timeline because all of your answers are probably in there at some point. Uh, unfortunately for you, Lewis, we are going to talk about Ryan Tannehill, but 
as you could probably assume, I'm not going to beat him up on this show. Uh, I don't think that that one throw at the end of that game should overshadow what he did on Monday night, especially when you think about <clears throat> the small club of quarterbacks who can make that throw that he tried to complete on the run. Uh, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks overthrow that. Uh, Eli in Super Bowl 42 comes to mind. I think, I think he overthrew Plexico Burris, which is a hard thing to do. And, uh, I mean, had had they lost that game, that would have been the play that everyone came back to. Of course, they won the game, so nobody nobody really talks about it. Different story with the Dolphins in Miami on Monday night. Uh, a chance to uh, extend that drive and he overthrows him. While a lot of people thought he should have just scrambled for the first down, which, I mean, is, in hindsight makes a lot of sense. Uh, but we can't let that ending overshadow the the stuff he... I mean, like, he. I thought for the, the majority of Monday night, I thought he looked great, considering the fact that his protection wasn't very good. He had Jason Pierre-Paul up his ass the entire night. At, with that club, that that monstrosity of a club that guy was swinging around, which was frightening unto itself. But, I mean, the the play calling in the first half I thought was excellent. You know, they switched up a lot of their looks. There was some stuff I really could have done, done without, but uh, that, that didn't happen too often. Uh, they switched up their attack. I mean, Lamar Miller was just getting yards I, whenever he wanted. I mean, it looked like he could just take what he wanted from the New York Giants. I mean, that defense isn't very good. He should be able to do that, and he did. They switched things up. Uh, I, I don't know if I really understand the the need to throw Jarvis Landry the ball <clears throat> 40 times. I, I know it was a big night for him. He wants to, you know, he's going against his college teammate, his good friend. He wants to make a splash himself. And you could tell, like, Jarvis, I mean, Jarvis was banged up in that game, and it looked like he was just doing too much. I mean, like, he just, he didn't look calm. Uh, on all his punt returns, he had that Deshaun Jackson look where, you know, he just wants to do something so bad that you're just thinking, you know, please just catch the ball first and worry about that later and don't do anything too stupid. So there's a lot of – anyway, all that rambling is to say that Ryan Tannehill did a lot of good things. That throw to Kenny Stills was a dime. And, and of course, uh, people on – on Twitter immediately start saying, well, that's not a real deep ball. Well, uh, that's BS. Yes, that is a deep ball, and that was right on the money against a very poor secondary. I mean, that's the stuff that you should be able to get. He got it. That was a great throw. Uh, he ran the read option like a champ. And then, but a lot of people overlooked the fact that in the second half, the play calling got really bad and complacent. And complacent in the sense that just same old, just leaning too much on throwing the football. Like I, I mentioned, Lamar Miller was just getting whatever he wanted on the ground against New York. Why why are you backing that off, especially in the second half against a team that doesn't usually play in warm weather? And the defense isn't very good anyway, so you can bet that they're probably going to wear down and, and see some fatigue in that second half. And you got Lamar, who looks fresh as all get-out. I mentioned on Twitter, probably because he's carried the ball about 30 times this season going into that game. So, I mean, Lamar looks good. Uh, Ajaye was even looking strong against uh, New York's front. And then Miami just backs away from it. How many times did Lamar carry the ball in the second half? Was it six times? 
I honestly don't remember exactly. I like truth be told, Keith, I didn't get to watch the entirety of the game. I was actually on an errand, but what what I with what I did see, there was very little running of the football. And when I saw Lamar Miller's stats again, I was just thinking to myself, Oh no, who who needs to get fired this time in order for the Dolphins to run the football? And I don't. I guess I don't know what it is. I guess maybe there just really aren't that many runs in Bill Lazor's playbook. Maybe it really is just like 99.9% passing plays, and then you just have this kind of one run for Lamar Miller to play just to just to just for the sake of saying we have a running play. I don't know anymore. Well, what's the excuse for Zach Taylor here? Because I mean, he called sure. a brilliant first half. I mean, and it's not like he's going against a champ defense here, but I mean, he kept them guessing. He kept them completely uh, off balance throughout the first half. Uh, worked the offense to uh, Ryan Tannehill's strength, and lo and behold, he's allowed to audible, and Ryan Tannehill did some really impressive stuff with those audibles. I think one of them was that long touchdown to uh, uh, Stills, or one of his big throws. I Honestly, I've already yeah, put that, that, was, that, that game was, out of my that mind. That was the audible. That was the audible. Cool. Uh, that was why it was so, a big deal. Yeah, it should be a big deal because, I mean, they went from taking the game completely out of his hands to all of a sudden, you know, go ahead and just go for it. And he looks great. He looked comfortable doing it. And these people have this absurd notion that Tannehill is some kind of idiot who can't run the offense. The guy is incredibly intelligent. I don't think he's going to have a problem running that offense. And another thing that, I mean, like, if you if you really want a whipping boy for what happened Monday, I mean, I've supported Dallas Thomas. I've gave, I feel like I gave him a fair shake. You know, he had a lot of switching around, didn't have any common ground to, to find coming into this league because he was flipped around all the time. And I thought that, you know, maybe some, some familiarity and um, consistency in terms of snaps at left guard would, would do him well. And he was just a penalty machine in that game when he wasn't just getting thrown around. That one spin move that he gave up to was a, an absolute disaster. The guy just got just pounded. I mean, let's just – so that experiment, I think, should should be considered officially concluded at, at this point. It, it was bad. Uh, the offensive line continues to underwhelm. You know, you feel bad for Jason Fox, but that guy just got flat worked over on the right side all night. And I just, I so desperately want to see Jawan James get back in there. I mean, it's a it's a common theme that you have all these uh, underachieving elements going on in this game. You have all these faults. The secondary in that game was as bad as I've seen from an NFL secondary this year. Speaking of being able to get whatever you want, uh, that secondary allowed Odell Beckham to, to pretty much turn that game into his own personal highlight show, which I'm sure he had to kill Jarvis because Jarvis really wanted to get out there and make a statement. It's too bad he wasn't going against Miami's secondary. He would have been able to do that. You had him there cheating in, like clearly didn't understand their assignments at points, uh, jumped on routes that I just could not understand. Uh, one of them resulted in that, I think it was an 84-yard score for uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as the second of the night. He just ran him luck on those guys. And that's the one guy you can properly game plan for and know that he is 
going to get his. Like, in terms of looks from Eli Manning, Othell Beckham is going to get the ball. Game plan for that. Instead, that I mean, he just, they just got absolutely beaten up by the guy. So, uh, the question now is, because people are starting to realize, finally, that this season is an absolute atrocity and should be taken out back and shot and uh, just forgotten forever. But you've got several areas you need to address here. The linebackers that night, Johnny Jenkins had some decent plays, but we had the, the play you love where Kevin Shepard bounces off of a ball carrier. Even when he comes oh, in hot. Again. Yeah, it happens every game. The linebackers are atrocious. They are bad. I like Jelani Jenkins. I think Misi is cool from a depth standpoint. But in terms of guys back there who are leaders, instinctual, just, you know, full-blooded defenders who belong at the second level of defense, I don't see those guys wearing aqua and orange right now. I don't see it. And the memo is out because that level of defense was just abused the other night. And, I mean, really did the defensive line a disservice because there was times in that game before they had Indomitian Sue on the, on the field literally every down because they couldn't afford to take him out of there that, I mean, the defensive line was just having its way. Because, I mean, New York's offensive line is terrible. They've got a lot of injuries up there. They, they've got some guys who are going to end up being pretty good. I think Eric Flowers, he got hurt. He hurt his ankle. Uh, Jordan Pugh is a really good player. Um, Jordan or Justin Pugh, I can never remember his first name. Uh, they've got some good players. Uh, Weston Richburg is a good player. But, I mean, as a cohesive whole, not a very good offensive line. They hemorrhage a lot of pressure. And you saw that early in that game. I mean, Miami was just all over those guys. And all of a sudden, it's like they started to fatigue. And you're all of a sudden, it's a hat on a hat for these linebackers. And Miami's linebackers don't play downhill anyway. You always hear about you want your you want your second tier of defense to play with a downhill mentality when they're pursuing the football. You just don't see that with these guys. Everything is just so reactive, but in a late sense. There's a lack of physicality. Uh, Cohen Meese had a couple of really good plays. Jelani Jenkins had a couple of really good plays. But outside of that, it was the second and third levels of defense on Monday night were just absolutely abysmal. And I hope I never see the Dolphins play that way ever again, which, I mean, I'm sure they will this coming up week. So here's my question to you, though. What level? Because, I mean, it's, these guys are going to have a high draft pick. I will be shocked if they win another game. They shouldn't have beaten Baltimore, frankly. They did themselves a disservice by winning that game, in my opinion. What level or what area needs to be addressed the most? Because there are several areas of need, areas of severe issue here. What do you think? Are you referring to the roster or just in general? Position groups. So technically the roster, it depends how specific you want to get with it then I maintain, if we're talking just roster, then I maintain what I've been saying for the past few weeks. Linebacker needs to be fixed quick, fast, and in a hurry. Get Miles Jack, get Jalen Smith, I don't care. Get somebody to take over for Shepard, somebody who can help the corners, help the D-line, help some, help help everybody. And Dominic Sue was supposed to make everybody better. I mean, yes, he can, but only to a certain extent because he works in one specific area. Middle linebacker works everywhere. 
and he has to be the captain of the defense. Like, when I interviewed Rashad Jones, he said he was the captain of the defense. Well, yeah, that's because Lewis Delmas isn't there anymore. And even if when, even if Delmas was there, it really shouldn't be Delmas' responsibility. For all intents and purposes, when you think of captain of the defense, you usually think middle linebacker. Kelvin Shepard cannot be the captain of the defense because Kelvin Shepard is not a good enough linebacker, and he probably doesn't even know what he's doing half the time anyway. And bouncing and you cannot have your captain of the defense bouncing off of wide receivers who are almost twice as small as he is that's that's just that's that that's unacceptable so i still maintain the linebackers needs to be top priority i'm going through the the first topping shame mock draft came out today because it's you know mid-december and that's when his uh his mocks debut for the upcoming off season um and I'm just looking at it right now. I know that Kevin had a post up earlier today talking about it. I didn't get a chance to look at it because I was tied up at work all day. Um, I was making just comments about it. I mean, it would be cool if Ronnie Stanley was drafted by the Dolphins, but considering the other areas of need, I just don't know if I can sign on for that full. I mean, what is, what is offensive, Ronnie line, offensive line is one area. That's a disgrace. But oh. I the linebackers especially really need to be addressed here. And at number eight overall, he's got him going with the fighting Irish tackle. So that kind of blew up in my face a little bit. I did not see that one coming. Uh, unfortunately, he had he has Jalen Smith going to the Cowboys. That's going to piss me off if something like that happens. The Cowboys come in with this team that's supposed to compete for the NFC. Tony Romo gets hurt. So it's almost like that, that Houston Texans year where, I mean, they just absolutely fell apart and then all of a sudden they 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 land a incredibly high draft pick as a result. The Cowboys should not get Jalen Smith. They shouldn't be allowed to draft him. So don't they already have like well we can always pick up Rolando McLean. Yeah. Oh Rolando McLean. So much promise when he came out of Alabama. You know, just a real big, rangy linebacker could pretty much do it all. And, unfortunately, uh, just just a mess in terms of the, the whole mental aspect. So, uh, the good news is, um, well, I guess good news, <clears throat> depending on how you look at it. Uh, Paxton Lynch, uh, he has going second to the Cleveland Browns, which I've seen a lot of Paxton Lynch talk for the Dolphins on Twitter. I don't get that. Paxton Lynch is just going to come in and get his ass beat just like Ryan Tannehill in terms of, you know, if he's back there taking snaps. I don't know why people think that you flip one for another and Paxton Lynch is going to come in and play like Aaron Rodgers right off the bat. That makes no sense to me. And really, it's just a total disservice to Ryan Tannehill at this point. I think that you have the quarterback you've been looking for, although people are... It's like people don't want to embrace him because he... He can't overcome the fact that he's never had a good head coach at the NFL level, or if you really want to make a case of it, at the college level either. He has never had great coaching. He's he hasn't had he hasn't had anything resembling decent protection. They finally went out and got him some weapons, and I mean he's he's done great with them when he's eight, when he's upright and throwing the ball. But it's like people think he should overcome that. And I raised this point on Twitter earlier this week, and I had some, nobody argued with me, which, I mean, I guess validates the point of you 
look at any quarterback worth his salt in the NFL, a guy who's done good things, great things, whatever, he's had a head coach behind him. He's had a good head coach. And there's been a relationship there. Now, I think the closest anyone came to pointing anything out was like John Elway running off Dan Reeves in Denver. Fine, whatever. But John Elway didn't win Super Bowls with Dan Reeves. He lost them. He won Super Bowls with Mike Shanahan, who's notorious for being a quarterback guy, unless your name is, you know, Robert Griffin III. But, you know, you think Joe Montana wins without Bill Walsh? Hell no. Incredibly unlikely. Do you think that Tom Brady is who he is if he's not playing for Bill Belichick? I'm going to go with no. I think that's incredibly unlikely as well. Would Troy Aikman have been nearly as good anywhere else than when, I mean, he got he had Jimmy Johnson in his prime playing behind, to this day, the best offensive line I've ever seen in my life, that early 90s Dallas Cowboys front? No. Did he have Mike, uh, Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin, too? Yeah. And I mean, like, uh, Elvin Harper, you know, that, that first go-around. Uh, he had Jay Novacek, who was an incredibly underrated player. You know, Daryl Johnson. Yeah, you know, he had excellent players in there. I, Evan Smith was also the benefactor of that offensive line, by the way. But, I mean, Troy was an excellent player. He was the number one overall pick in 89 for a reason. He's a great player. Uh, you know, and it's, it's sad that he wasn't able to play that long because of concussions and the, the beating he took even though he had that offensive line. I mean, that was still a, a, a time where quarterbacks took an incredible amount of punishment. You know, they weren't they weren't nearly as protected as they are today. But, I, you know, like, you can just go down the list. You know, you think Brett Favre is as good with, without Mike Holmgren? Probably not. I think that was a really important uh, relationship in, Bre- in Brett Favre's maturation development as a quarterback, even though those two had a very quirky interesting, sometimes volatile relationship. That's okay. You don't have to be the best of friends. But there has to be that that respect and understanding there. And, I mean, the Dolphins haven't put anything up there for us to respect. I mean, no, really no offense, but Joe Philbin was always a yes man. Gets in there, shows absolutely no leadership, was supposed to be a quarterback developer, was not that. They bring in Bill Lazor, who was supposedly a guy who could work with quarterbacks, and he was better. I think that he got more out of Tannehill at first than what we had with Mike Sherman, but but it ran into a wall real quick. And it's about development. And how many times are you going to run this guy into a dead end and then have the gall to sit there and say he's not good enough? I'm sorry, that's BS. That is total crap. And you're being fed that by the local media and if you want to go ahead and accept that, that's fine. But the point is, is that you're incredibly wrong. And you're also doing a, a disservice to the one player who has come in post-Marino and has done something worth getting worked up about, getting excited about. And it's like people are never going to accept Ryan Tannehill because he doesn't wear number 13. He doesn't have Marino on the nameplate on, on the back. And it, they just find things to nitpick about. Yeah, he missed that throw at the end of the game. There's a lot of quarterbacks who missed that throw at the end of the game. I've seen Tom Brady miss easier throws than that to lose games. I didn't recall anyone saying that, you know, he sucked, go get somebody else. I mean, I'm sure there was some chowderhead idiot who said that. But 
you know, on the whole, you know, you didn't have people thrown in the towel on him just for that. You know, far better quarterbacks make bigger mistakes in big games and didn't get killed for it. You can just go down the list. They've all been there. But, I mean, people are, it's like Miami is never going to fully embrace this guy. And, frankly, I'm starting to think it's because they're too stupid to embrace this guy. And it's always going to be like, you know, you're making, you're making excuses for him. I had somebody say that on Twitter that, I, you know, you can always find an excuse if you want. Right. By putting simple facts out there, I'm making an excuse for him. You go find me the quarterback who developed under the turmoil and chaos that has been this team's front office and coaching regime since he entered the league three years ago. You find me someone who's come up, uh, you know, under a, a fraction of of the turmoil that Tannehill has seen, that the turnover, the ineptitude, the sheer inability to coach up and maximize the output from your players. He hasn't had a guy like that. And unfortunately, I don't know if that guy is out there right now. Because, I mean, now we're in a position where, well, if he fails with the next guy, then we'll know he sucks. That's BS, too. You can't create this in a vacuum and say, like, okay, well, go ahead and develop chemistry with one of these guys. That's not how it works. That's why football is such a maddening game. That's why, you know, if it was that easy, you'd have more dynasties uh, every 10 years than, you know, just the Patriots or the 90s Cowboys or, you know, 80s 49ers, 70s Steelers, so on and so forth, 60s Packers, if you really want to get back there. Um. But it, it's a tough thing. You can't just manufacture that. you got to have the right guy. And, you know, it takes a little bit of luck uh, and a lot of foresight um, and clever thinking to realize that you've got the right people in-house. And the Dolphins, I don't know, could, you know, given their history, their hiring history, probably just serve up another piece of dog crap at head coach for this guy. And that's, I'm not talking about Dan Campbell, by the way. Dan Campbell, considering the uh, circumstances, is, I think, uh, done far better than I expected. Uh, and he deserves a lot of respect for that. But you can't just plug in ex-coach and say, like, okay, well, this will be better for Dan Campbell. We don't know that. I think that people are beating up on Mike McCoy out in San Diego because you're seeing that Philip Rivers is really regressing bad, plays behind an awful offensive line. He's getting just absolutely walloped every weekend. And the defense isn't playing that well either. But I think that Mike McCoy was the ideal guy for Ryan Tannehill in 2012. And how the Dolphins didn't have the foresight to hire a guy who actually put together an offense or reconfigured an offense in which Tim Tebow won a playoff game and thought, if this guy can construct something successful for Tim Tebow, he can certainly do something with Ryan Tannehill. But again, like I said, you've got to have the the right people making the right decisions to recognize things like that. It's not even a hindsight thing. The facts were out there uh, when the, the coaching rumor hire, hires and coaching rumors were going on in January 2012. So it's not hindsight. It's just again and again, these guys make poor decisions I like to think that they have it going on in the front office now. I think they finally have that solidarity. You don't have this ridiculous infighting like you had a couple of years ago where it was Donna Ponte and Joe Philbin versus uh, 
Jeff Ireland, and Philbin just chose the winning side just because, like I said, he's a yes man. So you're telling me that with all of that going on, that Ryan Tannehill should be perfect? He should be outstanding. He should be taking this team to the playoffs every year. That's just that's jacked up. That's just absolute. That's hot, wet garbage right there. And you'll see that turmoil has a really funny way of tearing things apart. Notice Russell Wilson looked awful at the beginning of this year when the Seahawks were sitting there and infighting and having an issue with uh, each other and pointing fingers at each other during you know the Legion of Boom pointing fingers at each other when, when they blew coverage in that game against the Panthers. A lot of infighting. The offensive line, a lot of injuries, a lot of regression there. Russell Wilson was getting his ass beat earlier this season. That's the kind of stuff that happens. Notice that team gets it together. Suddenly, they're all best friends again. The offensive line playing much better. Russell Wilson's throwing like five touchdowns a week now. Now, I'm not saying that it's all because of that, but it's sure conducive to that level of play. So, if you're going to sit here and beat up Ryan Tannehill at this level, then just let him, just trade him to a team that's not going to crap on him all the time. And I keep making this joke on, on Twitter, but I'm serious. The Dallas Cowboys, I think, would give up a significant amount for Ryan Tannehill. And he, I think he would just be lights out. Because, I mean, number one, he's going to play, go from playing behind one of the worst offensive lines in the league to playing behind the best. So there's that. Get him with, you know, whatever. Just give him X receiver, Des Bryant, uh, passable running game. He'll be fine. And then he'll, I think he'd be successful there. And then Dolphins fans can sit around and bitch about how they can't find the next Dan Marino for another 15 years. Because that's what they want to do anyway. You want to run this guy out of town. You're, you're getting closer and closer to that. To the fact where you can see his demeanor on the field is just kind of like it's the look of somebody who doesn't feel like he's at home. Every time that Ryan Tannehill plays and he makes a mistake, it looks like a guy who's on the road. And that's unfortunate. And, I mean, I don't, I don't just blame people like Omar for that, even though he is at fault for that. The fact that he has that much pull is so ridiculous, too. That sickens me unto itself. The local beat guy should not be able to rally together a sort of uh, proto-football lynch mob out of fans. I have, I have not seen that in any other... Uh, beat coverage across the country except in Miami. And frankly, the fact that it's it's plausible sickens me. That should not happen. But it does. you got a lot of people believing that this isn't the guy. Cut him. Get rid of him. Start over. Go ahead. Start the whole process over again. You might as well because Mike Tannenbaum didn't draft him. Mike Tannenbaum was incredibly uh, critical of Ryan Tannehill when the Dolphins made that pick. So go ahead and you can draw that parallel and say, well, he's not his guy. Maybe he go ahead, he goes ahead and moves on. He should at this point because if you're just going to hear and dump on this guy, then he deserves better. Send him elsewhere. Send him to Cleveland. Even Cleveland would receive him better than this. And that's ridiculous. Those guys are already uh, planning on, you know, roasting Johnny Manziel alive. Send him to Houston. Houston needs a quarterback. Preferably one who can stay healthy. You know, the Chargers are going to need a quarterback here pretty soon because Philip Rivers is getting old. So, or, you know, when the Rams move out to L.A., give them a, give them a nice little travel party gift. Give them Ryan Tannehill. Let them hook you up with a couple of first-round picks for the, the trouble. Because in that offense, he'd kill, too. 
the quarterback is the only thing hanging, uh, holding that team back. But, I mean, they have skill position galore on that team, and their defense is ungodly. So, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it's just I read the comments, and, I mean, I understand I can't get frustrated just reading what people say, but, I mean, you guys are quickly becoming the majority, a lot of you. And I'm, I don't mean all of you. I know you have people listening to this who are probably thinking, like, you know, hey, why do you, why do you keep saying you? I didn't say anything. That's true. I'm not talking to you. I am, but I'm not. I just need you to realize that this guy is you're quickly going to become the next guy to get run out of town. And unlike all the other lane quarterbacks that have been run out of town, this guy is worth his salt. So maybe think before you, you send him packing because, you know, I remember that stretch from 2000 to 2012 was a long time. You know, we were starting Cleo Lemon at one point. We thought Trent Green was going to get us back to the promised land. Chad Pennington and his wet noodle arm, even though he's a great leader, very smart guy, you know, he was he was going to be the guy for us. N- not the case. So unless you remember those days, or maybe you just, you're just you a new fan and you don't, and you just think that this team is this is just a minor hiccup, then I, I can't help you. But it's, it's incredibly obnoxious, and it just goes to show uh, really just the short memory and really the short attention span that a lot of people have. I'm actually going to take a call real quick. Um, this is exciting. I don't recognize <clears throat> this uh, area code. Caller, identify yourself. You never remember me, man. Actually, the reason I say that is <clears throat> whenever it's your area code that comes up and I don't recall <laughs> it, I would figure it too. Uh, sorry you were on hold for so long. I was I was sitting there ranting. Uh, Lewis it's is uh, right key, now. ladies and gentlemen. So um, it's uh, anyway, yeah, angry. I, I guess I was angry, angry Keither. But honestly, I just I I can't take it anymore. I've had enough. There's at some some point, some sense needs to be talking to some people. That I mean, I'm not that's saying why I put a QB embargo on my tw- on my feed. That's why I put a QB embargo. I'm not doing it. I'm done. So you go ahead. No, that's cool. That's I'll, that's I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just sit back. Talk. Spoon left Twitter because of this. I'm so sad. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. Um, but you know, at, at the same time, it's just. It's just so incredibly funny. Although you're a man of your word, you didn't say one thing during that entire rant. So, good call, buddy. <laughs> anyway, Chris, what's up? Uh, nothing much. First off, I agree with everything you said. Um, I, I, I don't remember what I said. I I, I blacked out actually. <laughs> I would like actually get angry. I would actually add one more team to that equation, and I would say the Buffalo or New York would give up a bounty for him. And uh, Yeah, that's, that's what these fans actually deserve at this point is to, you know, go ahead and trade him in division and then let him pound you twice a year because he's going to play behind a better offensive line up there. And he gets to start to Sammy Watkins and even Robert Wood. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Hand the ball to LaShawn McCoy or the ghost of LaShawn McCoy or whatever. And his buddy and, Charles and, Clay. Yeah, the reunion. The lack of, I mean, I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is an upper echelon quarterback right now. I'm not. Is he a top? Is he in the top third of the league? No, not right now. Not with the way. But he's had a bad year. 
season he's had a bad year, though, is because he's been set up to fail. That even though they went and got him all this we- all these weapons, everything else around him falls apart. You need more than just weapons. The one thing they've never been able to do is fortify the the offensive line. It's been a big deal for him. And I mean, I I don't understand why people look at all the hits he's taken and think it's not a big deal. He's easily the most stacked quarterback. You know, he's in the David Carr range now. I hope people realize that. That, you know, every, when this guy came in the league, everyone, and he was that first year when he took up beating, everyone's like, oh, don't let him turn into David Carr. We're there, ladies and gentlemen. He's getting his ass beat like David Carr. So, I mean, what do you do? And at some point, you just turn around and say, he's not one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's never close. But do you really think he's going to develop into that? in spite of everything going on around him, honestly, you have a better chance of winning the lottery than seeing that. That would be a miracle. That would be a Christmas miracle. He is one of the toughest, though. I mean, he injured his his throwing hand. He injured his throwing hand during that New York Giants game, and all you saw was him shaking his hand off, and what did he do next series? He comes back out. You know, it's ridiculous how I mean you want an Iron Man award winner there you go but yeah. honestly I think our next step we need to get rid of that offensive line coach for all the stuff we said about him when he came from Houston no I haven't seen it you know yeah. granted it's, it's he really hasn't been giving the t- given the tools, but Pouncey's regressed. Albert's regressed. I mean, sure, Albert's injured every year, but at the same time, look at how he was in Kansas City. You know, James goes down, and all of a sudden, our offensive line looks like you know it could be outrun by a peewee league. You know, it's. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's just a it's a weekly embarrassment at this point, and I don't know when it's, I mean, when it's the end in sight, you know, when the season ends, I guess. But, but I asked um, Lewis this question, I'll ask you too, because as I mentioned, so I'm looking at this mock draft, I just pulled it up again, and we're picking eighth. And he's got him taking the the... Notre Dame left tackle, which, you know, I like that guy. He, I thought he would have been the, the number one left tackle selected last year. Um, he needs to get stronger, which I feel like is a, a trend for uh, offensive tackles we draft. But if you have that eighth pick and Jalen Smith is off the board, do you still go with a linebacker? Do you maybe take a corner? Um, at that point, I try to trade down. Hard is available. I I still try to trade down. I I really don't like Florida corners. Um, I I don't, I don't really like too many of the corners that come out of Florida, to be honest with you. I haven't really seen too many that have actually produced at the NFL level. So well, I mean, right pretty now, much, the only, I, guy, the only guy who's doing it is on the on the whole, Joe Hayden, and the, yeah. you know Janoris Jenkins shows up every so often, but he, I don't want to draft Janoris Jenkins at eighth overall. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I mean, if that's the case, I go ahead and I try to trade down. Um, I, I'd even... There, there's Miles so Jack on the board? I don't like Miles Jack for us. Because every year in the first round, it seems we have to draft somebody that's just coming off of an injury and then he spends half the year on the bench and everybody complains about, oh, well, he should be playing, blah, blah, blah. Miami sucks again. They draft sucks and blah, blah, blah. And It's just every single year that we've drafted somebody, look at Deion Jordan. Look at... Um, well, Jordan uh, isn't bad because he was injured. Jordan's bad because he's a head case. Yeah, but part of his head case is because he came in and, you know, he was injured and then he was told he had to get stronger and then he couldn't get off the bench and, you know. See, I would, I would, see, I would disagree with you there because that, I don't think his, I don't think his having to bulk up had anything to do with his injury. That was more along the lines of Philbin and co being stupid and telling him, well, guess what? We don't want you to be an outside linebacker. We want you to be a defensive end. You're too skinny to be a defensive end. So, Get 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 beefier, will ya? Thanks. Yeah, I'm not saying that that was a product of his injury. I'm saying that's a pro- part of the problem with him being a head case. Coming in, he's a linebacker. He's a defensive end in Oregon, which means, of course, he's a linebacker in the NFL. But, you know, just the games that they played with him, I'd be a head case, too. I mean, look at... Look at the people in the game just went crazy because of the coaching regime that we had in place. I liked Philbin for who he was. It's like everybody else, Sherman, um, Mr. Eight Yards in a Cloud of Dust on the defensive. And, you know, it just, it's enough to drive a person insane. But at the same time, if, if we have the eighth overall pick and my guy is off the board and Tunsil's off the board and Is that who your uh, guy is? I was just gonna ask who who is your guy? Well, you've already I talk about him every week. Um for everyone who's listening. Uh yeah. You just said his name. Um uh, Jalen Smith. Oh, Jalen Smith, yeah. Yeah, that's my guy. That's the only guy that I've projected us to take in the first round. I've been talking him up all season long. Now I wouldn't yeah, mind drafting now I wouldn't mind drafting McKenzie after watching some of his tape, but again I'm not really too thrilled with the with the concept. But I mean if Jalen Smith's off the board then we might as well go ahead and trade Wake and uh, grab his Ogba because, or trade down because that's really the only two options that I see here that is going to help us in the first round. That's pretty right. much slated in that spot. Well, I would have said go ahead and um, draft Nadichki, but he went ahead and lost his mind this week. Um, 
falling off the second floor and then getting arrested for marijuana. Um, <laughs> that whole story is ridiculous, too. Yeah. Uh, but then again, we should just go ahead and draft him anyways because that's not really the same thing that happened with Dan Marino, but apparently Dan Marino was a cokehead, and look at how he turned out. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That whole that whole rumor. The, the best thing about that was that the reason the the Raiders didn't draft him, they didn't even have him on their draft board because of that. The Raiders, like I mean, they're the team that they're like the second chance program in the NFL more often than not. So you know, whatever. Yeah, there are some really sobering things to think about when you're looking at this uh, this mock draft. Number one is the fact that the Ravens are picking fourth. You just don't ever see that. So I mean that's and and he's got him taking Jalen Ramsey, who's gonna probably end up being the number one corner coming out of here. Even though I think he projects better as a safety. I'm I know that uh, a couple of people have come out and said that I'm definitely a person who agrees with that. Jared Goff going the fifth of the forty niners, I hate that team. Um Tunsil he's got going to the Lions. That's like their new receiver. They just take an offensive tackle every year. Although if Matthew Stafford can stay, you know, continue to, to play this well, I mean, there's some incentive in taking a offensive lineman. But and then he's got us with Stanley Hargraves to Jacksonville, uh, Treadwell to St. Louis, another receiver for those guys. You see, that's how loaded that team is theoretically. I mean, they just continue taking the same position, even though they, I mean, they're fine everywhere else. It's just that their quarterback play is garbage. What does Jack end up just because I'm curious? Where to? Jack. Oh, Miles? Hey, he's got going mm-hmm. to Atlanta at 14. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I like him. I like him a lot, especially because I think he can play uh, anywhere as a linebacker. I don't think he's he's tied to one position. So, which, I mean, it's cool. Although, I, the guy I draft, especially at that spot, I would like to make a middle linebacker. I understand that you're not supposed to take those guys that high. I don't care. I think that that's absolutely, we need a leader on defense behind and Dominican too, since according to him, this is his defense. So, whatever. That doesn't exactly sound like something an assassin, a hired assassin would say. That sounds like somebody, that sounds like a leader who's frustrated with his followers. What, what's that? Him, Sue saying that this is his defense, and a lot. Of, even even if the, even if the words used were inaccurate, it's pretty clear at this point that Sue is tired of playing with these guys and having to be the only guy, and then hearing Gruden on ESPN being stupid, and he, he takes a one play, um, a one play break to catch his breath, and Gruden just hell, just so happens to see him marching off the field and says that Sue's not a leader and Sue needs to do more. It's like. Are you even watching the game, Mr. John Gruden? So, I remember I uh, somebody and the next person who says that John Gruden should be the next head coach from the Miami Dolphins needs to get slapped upside the head and then like get his head chopped off and then slap it again. I haven't seen because, that yet. Has, has anyone said that on Twitter? Uh, it happened before the Monday night game. Oh, I don't man. know if it's happened since, but like, good lord, Gruden was brutal. Like, he's blaming everybody. He's, no, I take it back, actually. He only seemed to blame Sue. 
Like he has his ven- personal vendetta against Ndamukong Sue. And I cannot for the life of me figure out why he has such an issue with this guy. And, of course, then there was the um, – what was the uh, eject- who who was it that he said that Jordan Phillips? Oh, Phillips. He wanted Jordan, ejected. He yeah, said he ejected. Like, okay, yes, it was a cheap shot, but ejected? Come on. There's yeah, been a lot I agree worse. With you. I love the way John Gruden talks, like Tim Tebow. That guy's a quarterback, man. You're talking about 250 pounds of concrete dynamite under center. What an idiot! I love I love the full Gruden account. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I haven't looked at that one as of late. But, I mean, the problem is that this should have a sort of game where it's like, did he actually say this or was this fabricated by this account? I, I would be shocked if somebody could could ace that test because the stuff that they print on that account is so close to the kind of stuff that he says during games. The same thing that they're doing with Sue is the same thing they're doing with Ryan Tannehill, and it's because he's the hundred million dollar man of the of the Miami Dolphins. So obviously, if he's making a hundred million dollars, he should be the guy to do it all because apparently he did it all in Detroit. Although he did have a supporting cast, I mean, it wasn't just him. But, there was a supporting I mean, cast for a while, then Wake got hurt and everything went to crap. Um, and then our um, only decent outside linebacker, he's been playing hurt. Um, Misi, he's had his annual injury. I can't wait for that guy to leave. Um, uh, then, of course, our secondary, they disappear. Um, Okay, here's something interesting. Uh, Going back to the going back to the draft, I do that on the clock premium thing. If the Giants offer you a first, second, and third, and they're picking 18, would you take it? Oh, wow. The jump from eight to eighteen, huh? Yep. But uh, they offer you a I mean, first, depend- second, and third round pick. I mean, depending who's there, I would heavily consider that. Who do they want so bad? Do they want a defensive um, player, a corner, perhaps. Probably. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't think that if they move up to number nine for a first, second, and third, they're probably getting them a Jalen Smith. That's probably yeah. who their guy's going to be at number nine. Oh, I'm um, not, if we're in that position, I'd rather take J- Jalen Smith than. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's because a nice haul. Either that, so. or they want a, either they want a defensive player or they want an offensive lineman. Because I mean, they got. I mean, I think Flowers. I mean, I like Eric Flowers. I think he's coming over pretty good. I like I like Pew on the other side. I like Richburg inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they're at a point in their, in Eli Manning's career where they can't really let him take that kind of beating. They just can't. So, I don't know. Because the only real inside linebacker they have with a first round grade is, um, Reggie Ragland. Yeah, I was going to say Ragland. 
But I mean, hey, he's for, that, player, rather, yeah. for that, I'd rather take Beckwith in the second. Yeah. A lot of options. So many options. Or well, even Kinchel Brothers in the third. Yeah. I mean, if uh, if you like the uh, the depth in this draft, and then I mean, then that's obviously a deal you make to move down to eighteen. Especially because as of right now, you could probably get Raglan there. That that will likely change over the next couple of months. But for right now, I mean, that's a deal I'd make. So we're coming up on the uh, the end of the show. Actually, the slow night, and I'm tired. So we're gonna go ahead and fold uh, it up over the next couple of minutes. Uh, went all out anything today, you guys want? What's that? You went all out today. Yeah, it was the the 100% effort as opposed to me usually just sitting here and uh, not paying attention. We call we call that to Kevin. I was actually hoping that Kevin was going to call in tonight. He didn't. So, <laughs> anything well, you guys want to discuss before we go ahead and... Uh, Last question. Um, what positions do you avoid in the first round of the draft next year? Um, what position do you want? Um, any position. Well, I think that, I mean, I hate to say it, offensive tackle needs to be considered at least. Um, I know we've had the Albert discussion, but it, it's a value thing. I mean, if you're picking that high, you have to consider it, especially because all the really good offensive tackles are going to be gone by, like, the 15th pick this year. Yeah, there's only four of them. Um, cor- after watching that game the other night, I, I would be a fool to not say cornerback. I would... I would. There's so many holes, so many places. Corner, linebacker, yeah. uh, uh, running back, probably because I don't think Lamar Miller is going to be sticking around. He's going to go somewhere who will actually give him the stupid football. Tight end is a yeah, big issue. Jordan Cameron is not panning out. So and Deion Sims is regressing. So as sad as it seems. Offensive tackle is really not one of my bigger concerns because I just look everywhere else and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to take five years to fix at least. And that's assuming Tannenbaum <laughs> that's doesn't get the boot earlier. And that's assuming Tannenbaum doesn't get the boot earlier because, as we all know, Dolphins fans have no patience, none, absolutely right. none. I keep having discussions with this one person who I keep telling over and over, hey, dude, this is not Tannenbaum. <laughs> this isn't Tannenbaum's team. All Tannenbaum did was – find a way to get Indominus Sue here and Jordan Phillips. Other than that, that's the only thing, two things I know for sure that was Tannenbaum. Everything else has been the Philbin-Hickey leftovers. Tannenbaum's, Tannenbaum's real reign starts next year. Are you willing to give him – and he told me, okay, fine, I'll give him one year. You want him to fix it in one year? Are you crazy? Like, he's not going to fix anything in one year. Nobody can fix this in one year. It's going to take at least a couple of years before they're even close to competitive. That's the truth. This well, year should be all about just scrapping all them badass contracts. Uh, the the ones that we can get rid of. Grimes, him and uh, what's his face? His love interest should be gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Cameron gone, Jennings gone, uh, all of them just gone. If they make over ten million dollars a year and their name is not and their name is not Santa Hill, they should be gone. Who's the love interest? What are you talking about? Um, I don't even want. I, I call him the predator. Um. But Miko Grimes' love interest. Uh, oh, we all know. <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. I know what's happening now. I didn't hear you say uh, say his name. And if we're lucky, they will take him with them. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice to their to their next destination when he signs with them as a free agent. I don't. I mean, here's the biggest disservice this fan base and and Omar have done. This, this team is that people. I feel like some people, when when Brent Grimes fails, they're like, see. I mean, I don't want to see anyone on this team fail, but when Brent Grimes falls on his face, you can tell it gives a certain amount of people satisfaction because of how propped up he's been by the Predator. All right, you actually called him a different name for a while. It was something Predator, wasn't it? <laughs> wasn't it the Crud Itter or something like that? Um, no, it was um, began with a C. Um, yeah, I I'm wondering if it was even fit for radio anymore. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, probably not. But hey, so um, no, I mean, so you see, you see Brent Grimes. I saw people uh, after the game. Everyone was everyone was calling him Burnt Grimes. <laughs> I mean, I thought that was kind of clever. Uh, so, especially because you Brent. I mean, it is the truth. I mean, it feels like he calls out everybody except Brent, and it's pretty obvious why he doesn't. It really is. Like, he even he even jokes about it. Are y'all really obsessed with Miko that much? And the answer to that is yes, because we know that she's the reason you keep your mouth shut. Does she even go to the games anymore? Does she have a you know? Yeah, she goes to the games. She's been a she's been like a complete. She's been uh, she's she's. The, they called off the case, so uh, uh, apparently the police are at fault here instead of her. So I mean, whatever. That's it's it's just a cool thing now to pick on the police. Uh, well, um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, all three of them, when they hit the road, it, they all pile into the same car and you know, GTFO, if you will, because I mean that's just that's one less headache the team needs. And I'm, I'm sure Panabon. Uh, Conscious of that, because they need to, they, they need to take their their talents to Seattle. Because I would love to see Mr. Predator and uh and their coach Pete Carroll just get into it a couple of times. I guarantee you that guy would quit writing about football. Yeah, Omar is not leaving Miami. He loves the weather too much. Uh, it's code for nobody will hire him. I mean, well, I, that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to turn this into a mudslinging thing, but I think that guy hurts the uh, hurt team and often his fans more than anything. So that's all I've got to say about it. Uh, so, all right, we're going to go ahead. Bottom we're gonna, if, if we're going to yeah. go back to the Dolphins topic before the show's over, I guess what we really need to do here is just bottom line, 
Step number one, top head coach, find a guy who's going to take – actually, I take it back. Not a top head coach because that would mean Sean Payton, and I don't want him. A head coach who fits what it is the Dolphins need to do. And right now what they need to do is they need to find people who can make the best – who can get the best out of every individual player. And just for me, that would be Hugh Jackson because I'd look at what he did in Oakland with an even worse roster than what's here. And if he can take that roster to 8-8, eight and eight, he should be able to take this kind of a roster. As Even with as many holes as it has, it's more talented than what he had in Oakland. He should be able to take that te- a team like this to 10-6. and six. And that's before an offseason of fixing things. I agree with you. I still want James Franklin. He fits our Rooney rule, Bill. And he'll pretty much he'll pretty much bring like half of Penn State's uh half of Penn State's um coaching staff with him and I'm really interested to see what Joe Moorhead could do their offensive coordinator with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. As long as you get the right Joe Moorhead Moorhead has done some great things with horrible teams on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I've been impressed with with what he's done. And I think that um, this is a good stopping point because – I need to go to sleep. I can barely stay awake at this point. So um, for my guests, Lewis and Chris, uh, always, always good to hear from them. Uh, we'll do. We'll go ahead and do this again next Wednesday. I promise to make this show less depressing than it was tonight. I just, you know, this is one of those clearing the air type uh, podcasts for us. <clears throat> so for my good friends, uh, thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys uh, next Wednesday. Have a great week. Good night. See you later. Good night. Good night. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.